from WBUR and Slate. Hello and welcome to The Checkup, our solidly reported and somewhat opinionated take on health news for you and your family. Hey, Carrie. Rachel, how are you? Good. I'm Carrie Goldberg, co-host of the Common Health Blog at WBUR. And I'm Rachel Zimmerman, also co-host of the Common Health Blog. And we call this episode Fitness Reality Check. And we begin with a gigantic fitness phenomenon, a huge bestseller, even though it costs over $140, and its infomercials seem to dominate the late-night airway. And it's called Insane! Actually, I hate this kind of workout where someone's barking at you and ordering you around. I'm more of a Zen yoga type. But anyway, Carrie, I know you got sucked into the insanity vortex (laughs) in a big way. I did. It's true, Rachel. I fell for the before and after photos of people who go from like flabby to like buff and ripped in just 60 days. And I decided to give it a try. Okay, so what's the basic concept? Try harder. And by that, I mean... Typical interval training means that you do several minutes of moderate intensity workout and then you do a minute or less of super high intensity push. Just like pushing your hardest. Going right? as hard yeah, as you can. Right. Yeah, okay. Sprint. So the insanity workout kind of flips that formula and it has you do these longer high intensity intervals, jogging, jumping jacks, hopping from side to side, running with your knees up high, quick front kicks. So it's a whole bunch of moves that I actually haven't done since high impact aerobics got hot in the 80s. Like remember Jamie Lee Curtis in Lycra. Oh my God, my hair is getting big thinking of all those years of aerobics. What were we thinking of? I don't know, but we're doing it again. So the thing is, though, that now that I'm a grown-up, it just seemed too risky. Like, there are all kinds of moves, like these push-up-like things and squats, and the trainer Shanti will often say, okay, now keep doing that sequence of moves, but do it faster, faster, now do it as fast as you can. And you do this day after day after day with very little time off. Okay, so this workout isn't for older people, obviously, or even middle-aged people like me? No. Of course, you can modify it, but every instinct of mine was telling me, look, you're asking for trouble. Your middle-aged woman's body does not want this high-impact violence to your joints and your muscles, especially day after day with no real break. Okay, but you're pretty (laughs) tough already, Carrie. I mean, you lived through all those Moscow winters when you were a young reporter, (laughs) so a little high-intensity workout, even if it's day after day, That shouldn't phase you, right? Well, wrong, Rachel. In short, I flunked. You flunked insanity? I flunked insanity. Oh, Carrie. Which, according to some people, makes me an incredible wimp. Wimp? Who says that? Well, you know, dozens of lovely anonymous commenters on our Common Health blog where I wrote about my insanity failure. So I've invited a special guest star today, Tom Ashbrook of WBUR and NPR's On Point, to read a couple of the typical comments I got because he always shows such restraint and equanimity with even the nastiest callers and commenters. Tom, you must be just dying to lash out. Uh, well, I, I don't know about that, Carrie, but I will give it a go Thank here. You. Here's Trolls. one mm-hmm. uh, from a particularly pumped-up commentator <laughs> called Kevin. Okay. Maybe if the author worked as hard doing the workouts as she did writing this essay, the desired results could be reached. Mm, thanks. Uh, here, here's another one. Sounds like you are a lazy quitter with more than a few excuses. Ouch. Yes, well, Tom, thank you very much. Here's just one more. This okay. one from Redneck. Okay. It just goes to show <laughs> excuses are like Everybody has one. With that said, when will you get to your point of put up or shut up? Saying is doing and you ain't doing 
drinking that diet soda and eating a cheeseburger. Okay, thank you, Tom. That's quite enough. Okay, thank you for joining us. Channeling the world thank of insanity, Tom Asbrook <laughs> signing out. That's great. Well, Carrie, personally, I think flunking the insanity workout sounds absolutely sane. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. And in my own defense, I'd actually like to bring in an expert witness. That is Dr. William Kramer, a professor in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Connecticut and an expert on the biology of exercise, including extreme exercise like the insanity workout. A lot of different studies have been done in the past that have looked at these quick workouts. One I like to say where they claimed it could happen in six weeks. They took pictures and and really, it didn't happen that fast. And Dr. Kramer, what I love that you told me was that some of these people may just be genetic freaks. Right? Well, I mean, I think a lot of models that, that, that do these type of uh, commercials and have this type of propensity for body type uh, definitely have something going for themselves. And I think being in the industry for over 30 years, I mean, I can tell you that, uh, you know, everybody's kind of stuck with their genetics. One thing we know for sure is that you can't do any workout and get any type of change if you're still pounding in more calories than your body can expand. Right. And, the, the, again, the type of workouts that, that really kind of reflect the old interval-type programs, circuit weight programs, circuit things are going on from the past – have just found a new generation of workout styles. And the reason they're called extreme is that they're very high heart rate, you know, pushing caloric burn and really hoping to get a caloric burn after the workout. And that's really what, what makes it that way. The only difference really we find is, is that it's probably pushing for a lot of people what we call their glycolytic or their anaerobic exercise, which actually increases the lactic acid. But associated with that is a drop in pH and you start feeling nauseous, you get dizzy, you know, these type of things if you're not doing this in a progressive manner. Recovery is very important, right? And these programs, right. if they have you wailing six, seven days in a row, you're not getting the recovery. Well, most extreme exercise programs, in order to make you burn, they're going to try to get you to work out as much as you can. Uh, but recovery is very important. And I just want to say one thing. Make sure that people, when they, when they decide on workouts, that you've had a good physical, you know you're capable of doing it. There's no contraindications, and that ideally you have you, you eventually you vary your workouts and you have other progressions that allow you to do other types of workouts to maybe complement what this particular one workout or styles of workouts do. So, Carrie, it sounds like one of Dr. Kramer's main points is that a problem with extreme exercise, like the insanity workout, is that it just doesn't vary enough. Right. It particularly doesn't vary between extreme workouts and much lighter workouts. So ultimately, your body has a harder time adapting to the increasingly difficult demands you put on it. And that adaptation is actually your goal. So what about injuries? I'd imagine that all that repetition and not enough rest in between, especially with such high impact exercises, that would just wall up your body and not in a good way. Right, Rachel. So I spoke with Dr. John Richmond. He's the chair of Ortho orthopedics at New England Baptist Hospital, which is a hospital that specializes in orthopedics, yep, right? Orthopedic specialty hospital, and I actually am a sports doc. So oh, perfect, perfect. Injuries. So I understand that actually orthopedic specialists are often very grateful to workouts like Insanity because they send you a lot of customers. <laughs> is that true? It definitely drives business. There's, there's no question that... Um, there are a number of people that end up in offices and actually ultimately in operating rooms uh, because they've torn things or worn things out by over-aggressive exercise. Wow. So what would be your tips of what to avoid? Uh, there's a couple. Um, one that we see a lot of is lunges or deep knee bends, deep squats. What do they do to you? They beat up your knee big time, damage 
the joint surface cartilage, and particularly in the scenario you described as not being a youngster anymore, being a little more in the middle age realm. I cop to that. Where people uh, oftentimes have already accumulated some wear and tear damage in their joints, and then to really overload it with lots of squats and lunges tends to uh, cause further damage. Uh So should you not do deep squats or lunges at all? Just don't do them very deeply? or Uh, If you have any pre-existing knee problems, avoid the whole move. Just just sort of stay away from them. If your knees are fine and if they don't grind when you do a squat, kind of a a good test is sort of say, let me do a squat down and come up and feel them. And if they have any grinding or what we call crepitance is the medical term, but if there's any grinding sensation, that's probably a joint that shouldn't be put through repetitive lunges or squats. Okay, what's your other top one? The other top one is uh, shoulder problems with overuse, with lifting, push-ups, chin-ups, all of those things that are oftentimes tossed into these uh, mega workout uh, programs. So push-ups even? No, push-ups are great if you're 18, 24, 26 and healthy and have no issues, but to all of a sudden jump into a strenuous program as somebody who's in the over 40 crowd, you may in fact find that that puts enough stress on your Shoulders still lead to tendonitis of the rotator cuff and rarely tearing of the rotator cuff. And again, is this a move that you can modify or should you just stay away from it, those of us in the over 40 crowd? Yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from the push-ups. I think you can you can do the equivalent by doing like bench press activities, but you can uh, adjust the weight. The problem with the push-up is you're stuck with half half your body weights in your, on your arms, but you can uh, do bench presses with, with much lighter weights and therefore be able to get the same physical benefit from it at a lower pressure on your joints. Right. The only thing is you can't do that in a DVD workout that requires no equipment. That's, <laughs> that's correct. Yes. That's the <laughs> that t- needs a weight bench and some weights. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that seems to be very typical of insanity and workouts like it is they're going for this like super intensity. So they tell you, okay, here's the move. It's a pretty basic move. Now do it really fast. Now do it as fast as you can. And so you're going to be inevitably probably losing form. Yep. You're going to do them in worse form and you're going to do more reps than you may be prepared to do. One of the principles of training up to a high performance exercise program is to start gradually and go up slowly. I tell folks that you, you know, never increase what you're doing by more than 10% per week. Right. If, you, if you're doing... 10 of one thing's one week, the next week you only go to 11, you don't go to 20. Yeah, I think like <laughs> insanity kind of takes you zero to 60. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it does vary the exercises somewhat, but you're doing a lot of very similar and a lot of particularly like high impact, like jumping up and down and stuff like that mm-hmm. day after day after day after day without sort of resting those specific muscles. Is that known to be problematic as well or more likely to lead to injury? It is, and you need some time to recover, and um, how much time you need to recover depends on your exercise history, you know, are you well-trained beforehand and somewhat of your age, but you you know, you, you don't do something like that necessarily five days a week. You maybe do it three days a week. Maybe ultimately work to five days a week if you're young and you, you, you build up gradually to it, but there aren't very many say, in the over 50 crowd that ought to be doing something like that on a daily basis. Okay, so there's a little proceed with caution note. But I think the bigger point is that exercise on so many levels can be salvation. I mean, it totally keeps me sane and allows me to be a better mother, a better partner. And for me, it's just the ultimate magic pill. And I would like to note, this is not just us emoting. There was a 
boatload of data on the health effects of exercise. Right. A study just came out proving the link between exercise and how it specifically helps alleviate depression. Right. And to help us parse out the big picture of the health effects of exercise, I spoke with Dr. Eddie Phillips, who's the director of the Institute for Lifestyle Medicine at Harvard Medical School. You could point to an organ, and I'll tell you why exercise is going to help you. <laughs> I'm pointing to my kidney and liver. It's going to help your kidney function. It's going to help your your, your digestion. Uh, most commonly, people are exercising because they feel better. And my patients, when I ask them, why do you exercise, those that do, yeah. they often point to their head. And they yeah, I was going to point there next. And they start talking about, geez, you know, now that you mentioned it, I kind of yell at my kids a lot less. When I get my exercises, when I when I get a little time out for myself, mm-hmm. it reduces all-cause mortality. That's doctor talk for you're not going to die quite as early. Um, the quality of your life improves. And the simple story that people need to hear is that you probably don't have to do as much exercise as you think. It's a dose-response effect <sighs> up to a point, right? Like, Correct. Uh-huh. So how much do how much can I get away with? not doing. <laughs> How much do I have to do? Well, let's start where the majority of the population is, which is someplace near to the couch. Yep. There, there's some wonderful data. This was a very large study of Canadians over about 14 years. The risk of dying just goes up tremendously for those that sit all of the time. Mm-hmm. The, the numbers show so clearly that if you could just manage to reduce your sitting time, just get yourself moving, even if it's a low level uh, of, of activity, as defined by if Carrie, if you and I go for a bike ride outside like I just did to get here mm-hmm. and we're able to talk with each other yeah, and we're able to sing to each other so we're not out of breath, we're working at a sort of a low level mm-hmm. that you're actually improving your health so your risk of dying decreases. I saw you speak once at a luncheon event at Harvard Med School and you said to the students there, sitting is a disease state. And that mm-hmm. phrase stuck in my mind forever. <laughs> like uh-huh. it made me get a standing desk set up. And how's that working now? Yeah. You know, I go up and down all day. I, I stand some of it and I sit some of it, but I love it. It really makes a difference. So what, what's yeah. interesting, Carrie, what you're talking about is that you, you, you've inculcated the idea that it's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, for better, more health benefits, the, the public health recommendations are to go up to a moderate intensity, which means you'd have a little trouble singing to each other. Mm-hmm. What most people are used to when they hear the word exercise, they're thinking that I'm huffing and puffing, uncomfortable. And And that's that's at a vigorous intensity. And that's great if you want it. You could do less exercise time-wise if you go vigorous. You only need 75 minutes a week as opposed to 150 minutes at a moderate intensity. But for a lot of people, they're uncomfortable. They don't want to sweat. They don't want to join the gym. So a brisk walk is enough. So are you telling me that I could get all the health benefits of exercise and never hit the vigorous level? You're going to get upwards, the vast majority of the health benefits. We're probably talking upwards of 85% of the health benefits. I trust you implicitly, but what you're saying doesn't exactly feel true to me and my experience. If I work up a really good sweat, some kind of interval training where I'm having spurts of vigorous exercise in with the moderate, that's what leaves me feeling really great. And I don't get that if I'm just walking to my car. Right. What you're experiencing, Carrie, is some of the neurochemistry changes that are going on and tend perhaps to come out more at a, sort of the higher intensity exercise. Uh, when I speak to audiences of psychiatrists, 
I'll put up a slide and I'll say, how many of you prescribe medications to change someone's serotonin levels or their dopamine levels? And the hands go up and I go, well, exercise does the same thing. Now, anecdotally, and there's some studies that suggest it's the higher intensity that mm. you that you prefer, mm-hmm. and that, that that will ramp up your metabolism, et cetera. Right. All um, kinds personally, of I'm with you. I it, a workout yeah. means pushing it, sweat, and seeing what I can do today versus yesterday. Mm-hmm. But on a quote off day, I'm still getting my 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And for me, the secret is being afraid of what I'll feel like that day if I don't exercise that day. So, Carrie, <laughs> you're you're talking about motivating you to exercise, what I find works best with folks is actually the immediate effects, meaning- You'll the, feel it, better right now, you Absolutely. Mean? A 10-minute mm-hmm. ten, ten walk, doing a plank in the office or a few push-ups, mm-hmm. a little stretching, so you feel better right away. And that, I think, is much more compelling than having me give a, a scholarly lecture about how you're going to live an extra year. What's the trick to getting from- sedentary to daily? So this, I would now say, is a trillion-dollar question. Because uh, no <laughs> because, one really knows. Well, no, because of the fact that two-thirds of all disease worldwide, according to the World Health Organization, by 2020 is going to be the result of our behaviors. To me, the, the answer, and this comes out of the, the evolving world of coaching psychology, is actually finding out why the person wants to make the change. Mm-hmm. What's your value? You know, you, you've, you've elucidated beautifully you feel better, perhaps, or this is me, getting along with my family better once I exercise. So, And that's a very high value for me. Then I, I'm compelled to keep on exercising. But it, it starts with small steps. So let's talk about the role of the doctor. I, I had this kind of a little bit underwhelming experience at my last checkup where I told my doctor, you know, I'm now working out every day. And instead of like cheering, she said sort of like, Oh, that's nice. You know, a lot of people don't have time, so it's good that that you can. But but your whole idea, exercise is medicine, right? So what should our doctors be doing with us? So we're trying to get doctors at all levels of training, medical school, in their residency, the graduate level, and then in practice to learn these simple skills, which is how to assess how active someone is and then how to prescribe exercise. There's a lot of studies that show that the more active the doctor is, the more they're they're going to convincingly talk to their patients about their activity. So, Eddie, what about the people who just do not have the time to exercise? What do you say to them? I try to break down what we're actually asking them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, when they when they say, I don't have time to exercise, they're saying, I don't have time to get up, pack my gym bag, go to the gym, mm-hmm. do the workout that I really want to do, shower, change, get back in the car. Uh, right, okay. That's an hour. I, There's I no way it's less. A classic example, I was on the train coming into the station, and a, a friend of mine who's an attorney is getting off. I said, but this isn't your stop. She said, well, I, I figured it out. It's a 15-minute walk, and those last, that last mile pulling at the South Station takes about seven minutes. So she oh, was. So it only she was, cost she was, her eight minutes. Only, so only eight billable minutes to get fifteen minutes of exercise. <laughs> right. So she worked it in there. Uh, people are getting very smart. creative in terms of walking meetings, oh, stationary really bicycles. There are four treadmills facing wow. each other. Another thing that I do well with is attaching the exercise to another habit. So in other words, yeah. I'll do my push-ups before I get in the shower. 
Like you can't get into the shower I, until you've done your push-ups. I, there are certainly days when I get in without doing the push-ups, uh-huh. but I try to link it. You know, uh-huh. if I'm doing balance exercise as well, I've got that one of those two-minute toothbrushes. Yeah. And I'm standing on one foot while doing that it. It's multitasking. Uh, well, yes. and uh-huh. uh, sure. Cool. So uh, that's another thing. But the, the main message is that little bits, little pieces here and there with, with the mindfully planning exercise, you'll find the gaps in the day. It's sort of the mortar between the bricks. Well, Carrie, I may not do push-ups every day before I shower, but I do tend to get up before 6 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and while everyone else in my house is asleep, I sneak off to yoga. Wow, that's very impressive. Uh, Actually, I think every one of us has got to find our own perfect personal fitness regime, right? Right. If you can find something and become addicted to it, that I think is key. Right. And by the way, for some people, that may be the insanity workout if you're really careful. It's It's all yours, Carrie. (laughs) Whatever works for you. Exactly. So that's it for this week's checkup. Join us next week when we'll discuss vaccines and never mention Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) Thank God for that. We'll also be discussing HPV vaccines and the latest on flu vaccines. Yeah, what is up with all the pharmacies starting to advertise flu vaccines? It's it's still summer. It's like the Halloween candy coming out in the summer. The Checkup is produced at WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Our producer is George Hicks. The executive editor of WBUR.org is John Davidow. The executive producer of Slate Podcasts is Andy Bowers. I'm Carrie Goldberg. And I'm Rachel Zimmerman. See you next week, Carrie. See you, Rachel.